Welcome to the Sunday morning podcast from Kingdom Faith Church in Worthing. This message is by Jonathan Dyke. The message for today basically is, can you look your neighbour in the eyes? Okay, so my wife's just demonstrating that. Because she's such an obedient person. There's a really squeaky bit of floor there. Um, my name is Jonathan. It's, it's my honour and privilege to be the congregational leader here. Which, what does that mean? I have no idea. I'm finding out. It's an incredible journey. Uh, I, I have no idea what it is. Uh, there's no job description. Um, you just kind of wake up and it's suddenly there you are. Hallelujah. Um, I have no idea. All I know is, is that God is good. Uh, I, I'm just kind of just waiting for a download because God wants to heal some people this morning. Uh, let's just make that a bit more relevant. He wants to heal you this morning. Uh, You might be sitting there thinking, well, there's nothing wrong with me. Well, that's the first thing that's wrong with you. Hallelujah. (laughs) Thank you, Jesus. I just thought I'd get that one out now. I I can keep doing these jokes until I get a certain look from this side, and then I stop, okay? (laughs) Even in the back of my head, I can sense it. Hallelujah. (laughs) Here's a a story talking about back to the head. It was, was it Max? One of my grandchildren, I was carried on my shoulders. And he looked at the back of my was it Max? He looked at the back of my head and he said, Grandpa, why don't you have any hair there? <laughs> it was Max, wasn't it? He's too cute to hit, so I didn't. <laughs> He's four, and I said, Right, I, when you're bigger, you're gonna carry me everywhere. <laughs> and I'm gonna make comments. Anyway, it's great to have you here. We're in a tremendous season as church, as people. I don't know whether you kind of know God that well, or whether you don't know God at all this morning, it, it really doesn't matter, because by the time we're done, you'll have an opportunity to really meet Jesus. Jesus loves you, and he's given everything for you. In fact, the Bible says that he exchanged everything he was so that you be- could become like him in your experience, in your life. So I don't know whether you're having a good time with Jesus or a bad time with Jesus. Maybe you're having no time with Jesus. But can I just suggest in these next 40 minutes, you just give this time to the possibility that Jesus wants to do something profound in you and through you. As church, we're in a season of breakthrough. Turn to the person next to you and say, I need a breakthrough. If you don't think you do, you certainly do need a breakthrough. And we've been looking over the last few months, since the beginning of the year, around a particular piece of the Bible uh, it's from 2 Samuel, uh, chapter 5. Um, Luke hasn't even put that on there because I forgot to tell him, but it's okay because <laughs> he loves me and he forgives me. And he's from Canesham and they're, they're nice people. 2 Samuel, chapter 5, verse 8, speaks about a time when, I'll tell you what, you were all over it. <laughs> Look at him, little smiley boy. What is that? That's what I want. Yeah, I don't want that one. <laughs> Thanks, mate. I'm 18. That's a really good verse, though. 2 Samuel 5, verse 18 says this. The enemy... All right. He's just showing off now because Hannah's here. 2 Samuel <laughs> chapter 5, <laughs> verse 18. The enemy wants to spread himself out over you, over your home, over your relationships, over your workplace, over your own experience of God, to try and make himself look big. 
and try and make himself look threatening, to try and make himself look uh, intimidating. But let me tell you, the power of the enemy has been broken through the power of the life of Christ. A couple of weeks ago, when we tried this layout for Easter Sunday, we we came into a whole new uh, kind of understanding that Jesus died once for all and once for all people. He died once in time and he died once for everybody, including you and including me. So at the moment, kind of my experience and some of the other guys that are kind of dealing with people, there's a whole load of spreading out going on from the enemy over relationships. And it's the enemy trying to intimidate you and intimidate me and trying to shut us down and isolate us and make us feel as if we're not worth a bean. Uh, Maybe we just has beans. I don't know, there was a joke there, you missed that one. But the enemy wants to shut us down through intimidating us, thinking, well, you're never going to make it. And I I believe the message for today that God has put in my heart, and I'm going to share with you, is that God wants you to have a freedom in your relationships, but the only way to do that is to look at people eye to eye. Which is why we've moved the chairs around. My wife came and said, why have you moved the chairs around then? I'm not going to tell her. So I just did. She said, I don't know whether I really, really like it like that. And I said, well, it's okay. It's all part of the message. We can change it next time. It's fine. Next time, maybe we won't have any chairs. <laughs> Apart from Isabel. Isabel needs a chair. Maybe we won't have any chairs. Maybe we'll just have deck chairs. Maybe we'll have rocking chairs. I have no idea. <laughs> you know, your trousers need healing. Hallelujah. <laughs> We're going to look at what I believe is a solution to having fruitful, free, God-given relationships. We're going to look at a person's story. I've preached here on this before because it's a key. It's from the book of Ruth. Ruth, if you look at your Bible, that's what you, it's not about you, or maybe it needs to be about you, I have no idea. If you look at the book of Ruth, there is a tremendous moment in her life story, which I think some of us are on, where everything around her life, her mother-in-law's life, her sister, everything around her life was going down the pan. Everything was being taken from her. Her relationships were under pressure. Husbands had died. Brother-in-laws had died. Father, her wealth had been taken away. Her home had been taken away. Her relationship groups had been taken away. Her comfort groups had been taken away. She didn't even have a small group leader. I mean, that's bad, right? (laughs) Everything around her life, everything that she got her value from, her worth from, everything that she got her encouragement from, everything had been taken away by the enemy, if you like. And there's, there's this tremendously powerful scripture where Naomi who is the mother-in-law, she she knew of God. She knew that God was a good God. She knew that God was a faithful God. She didn't know Jesus like we can know Jesus now, but she knew God was good. And it came to a crossroads in life, and it may be that you're at a crossroads in life, where if you look at the journey behind you, you might think, well, everything's just going down the pan. Nothing's working. I tried to make friends and nobody likes me. I tried to keep friends and nobody wants to be with me. I have no idea. It may be that you need to go on the, the marriage on track course, which is what Norton was talking about. I have no idea. Maybe you're not married. Maybe singleness is your issue. I don't know. I can't be single. Everybody's single before they're married. Hallelujah. 
Have you worked that one out, right? It's a statistic. Like, everybody dies. Everybody does. Everybody's born into the, into the world broken. Until the one person that can fix the broken comes into their life. His name is Jesus. So let's not isolate ourselves through statistics. We all need Jesus. But it came to this crossroads in this story in Ruth 1, 8-9. Naomi said to her daughters-in-law, go back each of you. In other words, you've got an alternative. You can go back where you came from. You can go back to your home if you want to. Because I know the Lord will show you kindness because I know God's kind. Naomi was just communicating what she knew was true about God. As you have shown kindness to your dead husbands and to me. May the Lord grant that each of you will find rest at the home of another husband. God wants you to find rest. Naomi knew that God was so good that kindness just comes out of God's goodness. So you can go back to the old, you can go back to that situation, you can go back and do the best that you can do, and God is still going to be kind to you because that's his nature. God will still bring him into a place of rest because that's what he's able to do. You can do that if you want to do that. Naomi said there's an alternative. She then kissed them goodbye and they wept out loud. Why? Because there was going to be a tearing with their relationship. There was going to be a... Something was going to move. Let me tell you, healthy relationships have to grow. I can't let my four-year-old when he's 40, be reminded that he thought I was bold too early. Well, I might, but I shouldn't do that. We have to let relationships grow under the grace of God. Do you understand that? So whatever relationship you have with Jesus right now, whether it's good, whether it's great, whether there's none at all, is God wants to grow it. He wants to become more to you and more for you than he's ever been before. Hallelujah. So Naomi described an outcome. It was an okay outcome, but it was a very natural one. Ruth 1.14 shows a response. Ophra, or Orpha, kissed her mother-in-law goodbye. I, I, part of this message, and you might not like me for this, forgive me quickly, is God doesn't want our relationships just to be kiss and run. I think you're great. That bloke's such an idiot. I really love you. He doesn't want our relationships to be kiss and tell either. Oh yeah, you know, when we're in your company, we, we big you up, we give you time, but when, when you're not there, you get the old dagger out. We're not kiss and tell people. God wants you to be free from experience, if that's been your experience, where someone's been really upfront, really comforting, really supportive of you, eyeball to eyeball, but when they've left, they haven't been. It says of Ruth, she clung to her. Now I'm going to interpret what I interpret from the scripture from here. Some of you theological people might have an issue with this. Get over yourself. Because for me, when Ruth clung hold of Naomi, she also let go of her old. When she clung on to Naomi, she was making a statement, I believe, before her and certainly before God. I know what could happen if I just went back the old way. I know that it would be all right, but I know there's something more going forward. 
I think in this moment of crossroads, Ruth, in our own heart, without the Holy Spirit, without a relationship with Jesus, like you can have now, just made a decision, I'm going to forsake everything that I was, everything that I hoped to be, everything that I could have been, I'm going to give the whole lot over and say, I'm going to trust in the same God you trust. Come on, this is a great message. This is a life-changing message. Because she looked her eye to eye, she just hung on. And even though she didn't do this literally, we look through the rest of the Bible and Ruth hung on to this for the whole of her life. She just was refusing. I'm not going to go back and try to deal with life without knowing the same God that you know. Ruth was the wrong kind of person. She wasn't even from the right part of town. She wasn't even from the right part of the right part of town. And yet she ends up being part of God's purpose for life. She should never have been in the Bible. She should never have a book written about her. But why? Because she clung on. God doesn't want you to quit your relationships. He doesn't want you to just... He doesn't want you to have salt and fresh coming out of your mouth. He wants us to cling on. Cling-ons, cling-ons on the stuff. Cling-ons! Anybody in the Star Trek? Well done. You've been set free by the blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. Naomi gave her an option. He said, look, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her gods. Go back with her. Naomi pleaded with her, just go back like her. She's made a decision. Just go with her. At least she'll have a friend. One of the things that we just have to be clever, wise about rather than clever is that some of our friendships will always want to take us back. And the people in the Bible school will hear this before. If you want to fly like the eagle, God says you can be. Don't hang around with turkeys. God wants you to develop friendships that are going to take you up, not back. Come on. Jesus didn't come into my life to give me a 26-year journey around what my life was before I knew him. He wanted to give me an eternal perspective on what my life is like. Now I know him. Jesus doesn't want to take us back to give that thing a poke. No, he wants to... Sort it out, change it out, bring forgiveness, bring redemption, bring reconciliation, which basically is we connect as if we're clinging on to each other. One of the passions that I have in my heart, and you know, people, it's great that people are saying, you know, you come to your place and it's a family feel. It is, but you can't choose your family. Man, you've got to cling on to people that you wouldn't choose. Come on, it's true. Oh, I don't like this or I don't like that. I don't care what we don't like, what we do like. I don't care. What I want to do is I'm going to cling on until we get there. Well, I'm only going to come if so-and-so is speaking. No, I'm only going to come if Jesus is speaking. I'm not into a so-and-so person. It's like, no, no, so-and-sos are so-and-sos. Hallelujah. I want to be around Jesus. And Jesus will guarantee this. You cling on to him and he will cling on to you forever. It might not feel like it all the time, but the Bible says I will never. Say never. Never Never is an ever with a nut in front of it. Never is a really long time. Jesus says I will never leave you or forsake you. 
And I just believe God wants us to move in our friendships, in our relationships here and outside of here, that we have this atmosphere. I'm not going to let go on this friendship because I believe in you and the destiny more than the situation at the moment. We might have fallen out. We might have had a row. We might have had harsh words. But come on, let's come back to the, the reality of who God has made us. It may be right now you're a bit squirmy because it's like, well, I don't know Jesus like that. You can. Jesus wants to know you more than you know you. He wants to know more about you than you know about you because that's why he came to die. Hallelujah. You're still with me on this. So Naomi said, I'll just go back with her and give her the best. Sometimes the options that God gives us are really hard but they're also the right ones. And that's part of the response that we're going to do here, and I only found out what the response was a little while ago, hallelujah, it doesn't matter. It's part of the response here is going to mean I'm, I'm going to have to face up to some realities in my own life that go beyond kiss and tell to hug, hug, hug and hug and, and, to, and to cling. Because there might be some people I've just had a few words with already. You know, we're in church and I shouldn't have an attitude. Everybody's got an attitude in church. He brought it in with you. Everybody brings in an attitude, unless you were Mr. Blobby. <laughs> and you just turned up. No, everybody brings an attitude in. But when we focus on Jesus, our altitude changes, and it changes our attitude. Some of you might like the praise and worship. Some of you could, might not. I, I couldn't give a rip. What I'm interested in is, did you hear from Jesus in it? Some of you might not like this message. Some of you might love it. I don't care. Did you hear Jesus in it? Did it make you feel, yeah, 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 or it's, oh, I need to sort it out? Because they're both responses. And when we have a relationship with Jesus, there's a response. He said, I've come that you would have life, and life in all its fullness. John 10.10. 10. Ruth said, don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. And then we come out with these really famous few lines that I'm just going to comment on for a moment. Where you go, I will go. I want to journey with you, walk with you and learn from you. I believe God puts us in family, in small groups particularly, on Sundays so that we can learn from one another. One of the reasons why I lead a small group is not because I can, it's because I, I've learned so much from the guys coming to that group about me, about how rubbish I am without God, how God somehow can use a broken vessel, because it's not the vessel, it's the content. Come on. That actually it doesn't matter that I don't know all the answers, because I don't get a better seat if I think I'm right. I get a better seat because I know he's right. Come on. So I lead a small group for my sake, because I learn a lot from these blokes when they're just sharing story and heart and passion, and success we celebrate, failures we elevate hallelujah we we just here for one another i love it that's why i do it come on that's what small groups are about it's about where we connect relate and grow together if, if anybody comes to a small group and they think they know it all you're gonna have a short life in it in it i'm from essex hallelujah sorry karen so you're gonna have a short life because we need to make a decision right now, which is partly why we're facing each other. You might not even know who's on the opposite side of the room. You might not even know who's next to you. You might be married to them and you still don't know them. Come on. 
we've been married, what, 34 years this year, 35? It seems like two. I'm, I'm not going to get myself into trouble in a minute. <laughs> I'm going to come over this side now. Hallelujah. <laughs> Is there space on your marriage course, mate? Is that... We're, we're on it, okay? <laughs> I'm on it. Where you go, I'm going to go. I want to learn from you. I'm going to support you. I want to encourage you. I want to help you over the rough times and celebrate with you when you celebrate. This is what Ruth's attitude was, and I believe this is what our attitude needs to become. She then says, and where you stay, I'll stay. We share everything. We'll celebrate success and learn to delight in adversary. We seek the best for one another. Wherever you are, whether you're up or whether you're down, let's do this together in God. Whether we're close, close, or whether we've just got a bit of a kiss and tell moment, man, we're going to be quick to forgive. You only forgive eye to eye. You don't forgive by text. You don't forgive by mail. You don't forgive by WhatsApp. In my experience, certainly over these last few weeks, WhatsApp and email have caused more misunderstandings, more misrepresentations than anything in the world. No, no, we sort friendships out eye to eye. Why? Because the eye is the lamp of the soul. It is not Mr. Google. It is not Facebook. It is not Twitter. And as you've heard me say before, you put all those together, you end up with you twit face. And that is not what we're going to be. Some of you haven't heard that before. You need to get out more. No, no, we, we establish friendships eye to eye. Come on. Who said preach it? Come on, it's nice to see you. You need to come back. Your people will become my people. I'm going to forsake all of my cultural values of my experience, my life, my religious experience. No, I'm going to commit to the cause. I'm going to give up my right to be right on everything. And I'm going to commit myself to you. Commitment's a funny word. I remember when I was first saved back in, in the 80s, our church, which was a good church actually, it was you know, spirit-filled and led by a spiritual man. They, I can remember going to a, uh, whatever it's called, PCC. Yeah, that's it. I remember going to that for about seven or eight months to talk about a course because it was called the commitment course. And the content was, was brilliant. Do you know what the argument was around? Can we change the name commitment because people don't like it? Well, they don't now. Because commitment means I'm in it to win it. Commitment means I'm going to put every ounce of energy, three things that you sit with, time, talent, and treasure. I'm going to commit to you to give everything I can. Come on. It's a big word, commitment. Jesus uses it a lot. It's in the Old Testament and the New. Commit your There's loads of things. And Ruth says, I'm going to commit to a people that I never chose, that I wasn't born as part of, that wasn't part... No, I'm going to commit to your kind of people. And small groups, I love small groups because it makes my commitment a reality. I've lost count, my wife probably hasn't, of the number of texts, emails, phone calls that I've had in the last few weeks, all kinds of city times o'clock, city time o'clock in the morning, in the daytime, silly o'clock. But when you're committed, there isn't a silly o'clock. Come on. When you're committed to something, when you're committed to someone, there isn't a bad time. There's a better time, but there isn't a bad time. Have you got that? 
Oh, well, you know, this is my time. No, no, no. When you give your life to Jesus, your time belongs to him. But guess what? He extends it. We get far more out of our time with him than we ever were without him. Are you still with me? You still love me? You have to. It's better for you. Hallelujah. Your people, then it says, and your God will become my God. When you give your life to Jesus, when you receive his life and his power, God does this incredible miracle when he makes us all like one. The Bible calls it unity. Whether we're pink, green, black, blue, men, women, not sure, whatever, when we give our lives to Jesus, we become like one person. It's incredible. You, you won't do that through politics. You won't do that through religion. You won't do that through a, nothing. Only Jesus can take those who were not his people and make them to be his people. Only Jesus can do that. Jesus wants to do that with you today. So you don't leave this building at whatever time you leave it thinking it's just you. At least know that it's you and God. And at least know that it's you and some of God's people. Because the enemy spreading out wants to make you think it's just you. Well, you're the one with all the issues. Yes, you're right. But Jesus can sort them out for me. You're the one with all the rubbish attitudes. Yes. But the difference between you and me is that Jesus can save me from them, but he won't save you from them. It might be, oh, it's the same old, same old. And the enemy comes on back and says, what do you think? The difference is, is that Jesus can restore my same old to a new. But with him, he's just going down. So the enemy might look impressive, but he has a limited influence if we rise up on the inside. There's the same faith, there's the same unity of spirit, there's the same relationship. It's not about law. Man, I, 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 I hear so many people quoting Bible at me, and I think it's great, but it's a spirit of law there, not a spirit of grace. And I just love that in John it says, Jesus says, I'll give you the words to speak and how to speak them. Do, do you know what I mean? And, and so many people come up and correct me. Oh, by the way, did you know this? Did you know that? Yeah. Great. Now can we move on? Or is that the key? Because I get it wrong. In fact, I've learned over the years that if anybody says I've got it right, then that's the first thing they've said wrong. Because <laughs> the Bible says, no, we all get it wrong. And sometimes you've just got to be big enough to say, actually, I've got that wrong. Thanks for pointing it out. I'm going to change that and move forward. Is this making some sense to you? <laughs> I'm trying to be real and open and honest with you because that's the only thing I know how to be. Where you die, I will die. I'm in it to the end. I'm going to deal with all the issues, all the challenges, all the upsets, all the hurts on the way. And I prefer to arrive together than be right on the journey. And we're here to see 5,000 households come alive to the knowledge of Christ. 20,000 people into the knowledge of Jesus Christ. We're just scratching the surface. Andrea mentioned we're starting a fourth congregation in Burgess Hill. Why are we doing it there? Why not? Because I'm a why not person. Come on. For me, the cup is always half full. No, my cup's half empty. Turn it up the other way, my friend. See life the other way. Thank you. My cup is overflowing. Tell you what, we need to change places. <laughs> Blake, you're too quick, mate, all right? Did you see? Straight in there. And there I will be buried. Sometimes 
we need to bury stuff. Mm. Just imagine this. I, I came in this morning and dragging behind me was unforgiveness. It's a bit smelly. Bad attitude. Boink. That body of my way. No, you, we don't want to drag dead stuff around with us. The Bible says when you give your life to Jesus, you become like a dead person. Because you give your life to him and he gives his life to you. You only know how dead you are when you either react to something or you respond to something. Come on, if we're reacting, it's the dead man rising. Lie down, stay down there, hallelujah. But when we're responding, it's because the grace of God is working. And all of you are either responding or reacting right now. And guess what? I can tell most of you which one it is by looking at you. Because I don't look for big applause at the end of a service. I'm looking for a chained life. Come on. I don't care whether you're standing hanging on the ceiling. Or no, no. How are you on Monday is what I'm interested in. How are you making a God difference in the world that you're put in? So sometimes you've got to bury stuff on the journey. Ruth 1, 16 to 18 says this. May the Lord deal with me, but ever so severely. This is an oath. This is like taking an oath. If... If even death separates you and me, when Naomi realised that Ruth was, and I've highlighted this on mine, but you can't, probably on yours, determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. We have to get to a point in our lives, in our friendships, in our relationships, where what comes across is, no matter what you do, no matter what you say, no matter what you do to me, I am not letting this go. Sometimes you've just got to rise up on the inside and say, I don't care about what I care. I care more about you and I'm not letting go. Do you understand that? Is this coming out in the right way? Because I'm in trouble if it's not. Because No, because this is really important. This is really important. This was a powerful oath before God and before people. Here's a New Testament equivalent that I found. Philippians 2, 5 to 8. It might not say exactly the same on there. But it says in the Message Bible, in your relationships with one another, have the same mind as Christ. What is it? Think more about them than yourself. Think more about what they can do than what they can't do. Think more about who they can be than who they're not. That's what this says. In our relationships, have the same mind. Think, these guys are brilliant. They're great. They want to spend some time with me. They want to come. We need to think like Jesus thinks. which is we're not too proud to say, I'm sorry, I've messed up. Can you forgive me? We're not too proud to say, actually, uh, I, didn't, I didn't do that right. That's not what I meant. I had the right words, but it didn't come out in the right way. I had one of those this morning with somebody because I reacted to something instead of responding to something. But I'm learning to be smart. I think God wants us all to be smart, doesn't he? So do we respond or we react? We react, as I've said, because it's the old, it's the known, it's the familiar, it's what we're not dead to yet. And Jesus wants to set us free today, this morning. Or do we respond? It's from the new, it's from God's best, it's agape love. Not, well, there's three other kinds, but not the filio, which is more kiss and tell. Isn't it great? No, no, God did not give you filio love, he gave you agape love or agape love depending on whether you're American or not and it's not eros love 
Unless you've gone through the marriage course. Is that okay to say that? Oh, sorry, mate. Sophie had a few words there. But God wants to give you the agape love, which is God's love. It's powerful. So let's all stand up, shall we? Does this make any sense to any of you? We're going to find out in the next 10 minutes. <laughs> all right, because there's a couple of things that I'm going to ask you to do. You don't have to do this. You, you can do whatever you want to do, okay? There's no pressure from me, but you might find some pressure on the inside of you. So just close your eyes a minute. It does all go dark. It's fine. Don't be afraid of the dark. Hallelujah. Jesus is light. But it may be right now that you don't really know Jesus as well as you want to know Jesus. I have no idea. Just through some of the things that I've said and maybe God's speaking to you, maybe you're kind of experiencing, you know, maybe your heart's bumping. I I have no idea. All I know is, is that Jesus wants you to know him thoroughly. Jesus doesn't hide anything. So if you don't know Jesus... At all. You don't know that if you were to die right now, for whatever reason, you would go straight to heaven. If you are not that confident, then you need to know Jesus. Or it might be that your journey with God just feels so distant. It feels like, where is he? I've not heard from God. I've not read my Bible. You know, I'm coming through a dry time. Well, let me tell you, God is the God of dry places. Whenever the people of God went to a dry place, they found God. When you're on a desert, it's easy to find God. Is the only other person there? Come on. So it might be that you're just feeling, oh, I just don't pray, or I just don't read my Bible, or I just don't hear God's word. Well, I want to pray for you as well in a minute. Then we're going to pray for one another, and then we're going to do something really, really practical, but very significant. So the first thing I want to get you to do is just start to give thanks for your friends. Give thanks for your friends. People who are seeking your best. You might not have loads. You might just have one or two, but just give thanks for them. Give thanks for your small group leaders, if you're in a small group. Give thanks for your small groups, because they're all there to help us do relationships better. Give thanks for the spirit of love, which is in you. If you know Christ, then you have the spirit of love. The spirit of love will never give up on you, never quit. Just give thanks. You can give thanks. You, you need to probably give thanks. means not think thanks, but give thanks. Come on, we're all doing this together, so it's fine. We're all giving thanks. Give thanks for the people that you're near right now. You might not know them very well in a moment. We'll give you an opportunity to say hello and take them for a coffee. But just give thanks for the other people that are in the room. We're, God isn't just picking on you. He's talking to us. But he is looking to you to make a personal response. I can't make a response for you. I can make a response for me. So thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We're just going to kind of move on and just in our hearts and out of our mouths just express, you know, I'm committed. I want to commit myself to the love of God. I'm going to commit myself to the Lordship of God. I'm going to commit myself to the life of God. We have to come unconditionally as much as we can. I'm going to commit myself to his word. I'm going to commit myself to his spirit. And I'm going to commit myself to one another. The other people that are part of this and other people that are coming over these weeks and months, 
I'm just going to commit to the program. What is the program? To see 20,000 people come to Christ. That's the program. See people healed and made well and whole and have their, their lives restored and their marriages restored. Hallelujah. Whatever their age, whatever their colour, whatever their background, whatever their finances, I'm committed to seeing them know Jesus in a real way. To know his freedom, to know his life, to know his health, to know his healing. There's healing being released right now. It's being released right now because sometimes just when we're not eye to eye with God, we're not eye to eye with people, sometimes sickness comes in in the form of a nagging doubt or a worry or an ache or a pain. Well, Jesus said, I take every pain from you. I carry every infirmity and I take away every sickness. Even by my blood. Healing is given. It's for you. It's for you. Hallelujah. This next bit, we're going to have to move around a little bit. So just, just 20 seconds to explain. In the next few moments, I'm going to invite all of you that want to. There's tables around the room. James is on one behind you. Uh, there's Annette's over here. Catherine's over there. They're all really tall, good-looking people, so they're really easy to find. And what I'm going to ask you to do is go over to them, and they're, they're going to explain what they're going to get you to do, but I'll explain it very briefly. There's loads of bits of paper there. Just write your name on it. Right? Just, does everybody know their name? If you can't write your name, just put a cross or something. Just put a blob, anything, right? Because it's part of, this is you, this is me. And then we're going to make a little link out of those bits of paper, and you'll do it over there, and then we're going to join all those links together and see what we end up with. Is that okay? Then at the end, when we're all done, we're going to put all of those on the cross. Because actually, that's where true friendship started was at the cross. That's how true friendship is lived, by bringing the cross into it. That's where our destiny is reached, by living out of the power of the cross. That's where our freedom was won. Have you got that? Is everybody clear? If you're not clear, it's fine, because you've got some very intelligent connecting people on this morning, which is why I'm not on it this morning. Hallelujah. <laughs> is that okay? So if we have a li- little bit of... Something Luke's going to do something clever with the apple. It's not going to crumble. And then you can just move out to one of these three tables, James or Catherine or Annette. Sophie will help guide you. And we'll just see where this goes. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Jesus, we exalt you over our lives. We exalt you over our friends. We exalt you over our families. We refuse to let the enemy stay spread out. We arise in the love of God. We arise in the spirit of love. And we pull down and tear down any division or conflict in the name of Jesus, we recognize that we are one in Christ, one in spirit, one in faith, one Lord, one God. Come on, let's just thank Jesus for everything he's done. Oh, hallelujah.
Thank you for listening to this Kingdom Faith podcast. We trust it's been an encouragement to you. For more information and resources from Kingdom Faith and our other audio and video podcasts, please visit www.kingdomfaith.com.